Hi folks, a quick announcement before the show today. First up, events. We've got three events coming up and they're all in person. I think I said earlier in the year that this was going to be the year of the face-to-face catch-up and it certainly seems to be going that way. So, Thursday the 13th of June. This is for you Brisbane friends. So the Brisbane Take On Board Meetup will be on Thursday the 13th of June. An informal gathering of listeners, program alumni, friends and connections. It's a free event, so come along. Next up, the 18th of July, this is for our Warnable and Great South Coast Take On Board Friends, an event run in conjunction with Leadership Great South Coast and Bernadette Northeast. Governance, from fundamentals to advanced practice. Super early bird tickets for this event close on the 10th of June, so get on it. Then the third event, a bit further down the track, the 22nd of August. This is for our Sydney friends, a Take On Board meetup in Sydney. Details of all of these events are on my website. There's a link to that in the show notes and I would love to see you at one or all of them. Okay, that's it for today. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'll be speaking with Leonie Morgan AM. Leonie is a director of Film Victoria, Holmes Glen TAFE, and a founding member and board member of Emily's List. She was previously a board member at Sin Media the Australian Centre for Research into Employment and Workplace, and she's also been a member of the Community Broadcasting Foundation's Fundraising and Fund Development Subcommittee. Leonie works across the private sector for government and in the not-for-profit sector in Australia and the Asia-Pacific. Her focus is on gender equality, mentoring and good governance. Her passion is seeing more women in decision-making and much of her work focuses on this. This work was acknowledged by her inclusion on the Victorian Women's Honour Roll in 2007 and when she was appointed a member of the Order of Australia for Significant Services to Women. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Leonie. Thank you very much, Halia. It's great to have you here. So we know a bit about your bio and what you've done, but I'd love to hear a bit of a story about young Leonie that tells Mm. us a bit about how you got to where you are today. Well, a really important thing for me was I was a teacher and I happened to meet the former Premier, Joan Kerner, before Joan was in politics, of course. And Joan was very involved in the uh, Disadvantaged Schools Program. In fact, I think she might have been the chair of that program. And meeting Joan had a really profound impact on my life. Joan was a wonderful mentor to me and she taught me to think for myself. She taught me to speak out for myself and she taught me the importance of making change and political change particularly. She also introduced me to a lot of very key people that I'm, I'm still quite close to and have been very powerful in my life. Joan was 
just such a profound influence on me and has really made me, in a way, what I am today. Yeah. Oh, what an incredible experience to have early in your life. Mm. How fabulous. And those lessons around, you know, speaking up, using your networks, meeting people and using those things, great lessons to learn that, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, are part of the lessons you now use in your governance experience as well. Yes, I do. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about today was getting on a board. So it'd be great to hear how you got on your first board. Well, I guess my first board was an advice. Oh, well, Emily's List Australia was my first board, in fact, because I was one of the women with Joan and with Julie Gillard that set up Emily's List Australia. Some people won't be familiar with that Emily's is an acronym. Can you tell us what it means? Well, Emily's is early money is like yeast. It helps the campaign grow. And what Emily's does is supports progressive Labor Party women candidates. We support them with some money to grow their campaign and we support them with a mentor and training. And I coordinate the mentoring program in my free time such as I have, I coordinate the mentoring program and we've supported about 260, 270 women into Australia's parliaments. So we're pretty pleased about that. We've been around for about 20 years. So that was your first board? Yes, yes. I was on the National Committee. I was. I had an idea that something needed to happen with the numbers of women in our parliaments. And so I'd seen this thing in the US and Emily's List US, and I thought it would be a good idea here. So I went about influencing people to pick up on the idea. And so I was on the first national committee. So that was effectively my first board. So with that experience of being on the Emily's board, what was your next board? I worked at Industrial Relations Victoria in the mm, 1990s, I think. And at Industrial Relations Victoria, uh, Monash University had a centre for workplace training And they wanted a representative who had the networks into industrial relations and government. And so they asked me to go on their advisory committee. And that was, it was a different sort of a board because it wasn't as strategic as the boards that I'm now on, but we had, we were able to guide the way the centre went and introduce them to key people who might be able to assist them. It's a great reminder for women, I think, in both of those examples firstly about, you know, being on the committee of management of an organisation that you might just be involved in setting up or being part of, but also leveraging your workplace roles into governance roles as well. And then that builds into further governance experience. And that happened to me with the next board that I was on, which was um, Film Victoria. Uh, While I was working at IRV, Industrial Relations Victoria, I worked part-time there. And I also worked for the Australian Film Commission on a project to get more women into television, into senior levels in television. So I had networks there because I worked with the television networks. And so there was a vacancy on Film Victoria. And because I knew a lot about getting women then into senior levels in the um, film and television industry, and because I was really passionate about that, I then got a position on Film Victoria, which was a government board. And I was on that board for about three years. My first term was three years. And then I went off that board. And from then there, I went on to the Sin Media Board. And Sin Media is an organisation of young people making radio and television. 
and I was the old person on the board. And, and this is an important thing about getting onto boards because with that board, at first I was co-opted onto that board. So I was not a young person making radio and television, obviously. I was um, interested in the area and they wanted someone that knew about governance, that had been on boards, and they wanted someone that had links into government and they wanted someone that could help them with HR type strategies. And so they asked, they co-opted me. And so I was co-opted for a period of time and then I went to the AGM and the members knew me then and they voted for me. And that's a key lesson about how to get onto boards because mm. often you don't have to be appointed on a board from the AGM. You volunteer or you become co-opted and you bring a particular skill mm. as an additional thing or you might be on an advisory committee to a board. After that, you're appointed to the board because they know you and they know the skills that you bring. Can you just explain that co-opting process? People might not be familiar with what that means and how it works. Well, the co-ops are an additional person to the board and they don't go through the formal process. They usually, as a co-opt, you would meet with the chair and you would meet with the other board members and you talk about your skills. Mm. And from that, they would ask you to come along. So you wouldn't um, be a full voting member of the board, but technically... You are still considered a board member in any very difficult positions. Mm. So there's this thing called shadow board members. And so you're considered a shadow board member, even though you're technically not a full member of the board. You're at the board decisions and you might be able to influence things. So, But co-ops are a really good way to go. So mm. if you've got the listeners have an interest, they might like to pursue that interest through the co-option method. So ask to be co-opted yeah. and bring that skill to that board. That is a great tip for people to pursue for those organisations that they're interested in. So for getting on a board, what other tips and tricks have you got for us about how to get on a board? Well, the first thing, which was particularly crucial for me, and I guess for anyone else, you need to be interested. So you need to think about what are your big interests? What are your passions? And you need to follow those passions. For me, it was film and television and training. So I gravitated to organisations that focus on those. So that's the first tip. Second important tip is to know exactly what you bring to the board. Have a look at your CV that you might use for your jobs. Boards want different things mm -hmm. often, but you can move that around to the things that you can add to the board. For me, it was knowing about government and how to get things done with government. So Sin Media was funded by government, so it was great that I was on that board and was able to help them with those sort of things. For me also, I know about HR, and so I bring always bring that to the board, and I've got a real passion for diversity. So I'm the logical person for the people, culture and remuneration committees of boards. And with the two boards that I'm on at the moment, both Holmes Glen Institute and Film Victoria again, I'm concerned about those things with those boards. Mm. The other important thing, I think, is your networks. It's really important about who you know because how you get onto boards or how you get co-opted from boards is that someone you know will know of you and will suggest you. And that happened with me with Sin. It happened with me with Film Victoria. Not so much with Holmes Glen. You look around your networks and you see who do you know that has a similar interest to you who's on a board and they're the people that are really, really important for you. Before you say yes to a board, though, make sure you observe the board. So go, mm -hmm. even as a co-opt, go along to the board meetings, look at the annual report. You'll find out a lot of stuff there because really you want to make sure that the finances are in good shape before you go onto a board because you're liable for such things as a board member. So you need to really have a good look at the finances, have a good look at the annual report and 
go to the meetings, make sure you can work with the chair and the other board members, although you won't really know until you actually get on that board, but you'll have a good first idea. And finally, in getting on a board, you need to train up before you get on a board. You need to know what sort of skills. And Halia's Board Accelerator Program is fantastic for that because you learn all about being on boards. Another good opportunity is the Institute of Company Directors. Their courses are quite expensive, but the Victorian government has scholarships for those programs. So you might like to consider having a look at the Institute of Company Directors and their sort of courses. Because you want to know about governance before you go on a board. Because then you know the things that you can bring to the board and you know the things that you can achieve through being on that board and how to achieve them. And I'll I'll make sure I put the links to the Institute of Company Directors, to the Victorian Women's Government Scholarships and to my program. Thanks (laughs) Thanks for the plug there, Leonie, for Board Accelerator and for Board Kickstarter. I'll make sure I put the links in the show notes so people can access those. People have taken on your advice, they've worked their networks, they've got their board resume in order, they've done all their due diligence and they've found their first board role or maybe even their second or third board role. It would be great to also hear about what makes an effective board member Mm -hmm. and what that means to you. Well, your first year on the board is really getting to know everyone and getting to know the lie of the land. So I reckon it's really key to get to know those board members, other board members and the chair. The way I've done that with my boards is I've gone out for coffees or lunches with them, individuals, so I really get to know what they're like. One good example of that is that with Holmes Glen TAFE, I had lunch with a board member who's a CPA, an accountant. You know, funding and finances aren't my forte. We're now great friends and I know that I can give her a call and she'll answer any questions I have prior to the board meeting on the finances, so... Another um, example of that is with Film Victoria. I had my nails done with one of the quite influential people on that board and I've got to know her really well then and we do have lunches together and that's been great too. So really get to know the other people on the board. I'm so glad you mentioned getting your nails done. (laughs) I was going to prompt it if you hadn't because it's just another way of getting to know people and spending some time together whilst you're doing something else as well. It's a very efficient use of time. Yes, it's really important. It's really, really important to know the people you can depend on on the board because if you've got something that you want to get up on that board, you're wanting other people to come along behind you and support you. And so if you've been out with them, if you know them quite well, then you can get that done. The second tip I reckon for being an effective board member is to be really prepared for the meetings. So you need to have read the papers. I usually read through the board papers once and then I go back through them again for the things that I've got questions on or the things that I want to know more about. You'd be surprised, Halia, that some people don't read their board papers before they go to meetings, which I reckon is a really, it's a terrible thing. It's a crime. They shouldn't be on the board. And you can always tell the people at the meetings that haven't read their papers. Mm. You can just tell, I think they think they can get away with it, but they can't. When you go through those board papers, often you come up with questions. And uh, so come to the board meetings with questions, with an issue that you want to bring up. If it's at all tricky, certainly go to the chair first because you don't want any surprises. I think that's really important. And volunteer to go on committees. So I volunteered. I, You know, as I said before, I'm not a big fan of the finances, although I know I had to read a balance sheet and a P&R. But uh, I volunteered to go on the finance and audit committee at Holmes Glen because I really want to have an in-depth knowledge of what was on that, you know, the figures, the budget figures. 
People thought that was very strange. The finance committee at Holmes Glen is all, um, they're all accountants. They were so surprised to have me there and they were so surprised that when they asked me what was it like and I said it was really good and really good fun, they were just shocked that someone could think that these figures were good fun. But, gee, I learnt a lot being on that committee and I'm no longer on that committee. I'm back on the People and Culture Committee, but it was great to now I understand the finances in depth. So I volunteer to go on committees. I think that's a good thing. And I always think it's a great thing for the non-finance people to be yeah. on the finance committee yeah. because they ask different questions yeah. and often put the accounts people through their paces mm. a little bit by asking those different questions. Yeah. The bean counters, as they call them, I'm also on the audit committee and they refer to me as the non-beanie because I'm the, <laughs> not the bean counter there, but you ask different questions and test different things out. So I think it's hugely valuable to make sure you get that diversity of opinion and views and experience in the committees and at the boards. Yes, one thing I found when I first went on a board, and I find it sometimes now, is it's hard to ask those questions. I'm a natural questioning type, and sometimes I think I come away from the board meeting, I think, have I asked too many questions? But you can never ask too many questions on a board. Don't be afraid to ask questions, to seek further clarification, to continue to repeat those questions until you have the full picture. Because if you don't, there could be some sort of problem hiding there that you're not aware of that's going to come back to bite the whole board further on down the track. Have you got other tips for us? If you haven't got the time and you're not giving anything to the board, then I think you shouldn't be on the board. That's my major tip, that I think that if you don't put time into being on a board, and they do take a lot of time. There are some people I know that are on like nine boards and I don't know how they do it because I reckon they're not putting in the time And I think if you're not putting in the time for the board, then you need to get off. Totally. So you need to continually think about whether you've got the time and the passion for the board. And if you haven't, get off and get someone else on there. Oh, that's most important because when you're thinking about going off a board, it's a good idea to have someone to think about who could replace you. Mm. So succession planning is key on boards too. Just before we get to succession planning, thinking about time on a board, how much time does it take? And... What sort of things take up your time as a board member? Well, with the government boards, Homes Glen, Homes Glen particularly, there's a lot, lots of time. We would probably be going out to Homes Glen, to the campus. We would probably be doing that once a week, not for meetings, for various things around the meetings. Then uh, once a month we will have a meeting and the meeting will go for three or so hours and involved in that meeting before the meeting will be probably about five hours of reading papers and rereading papers. And then there's time when you catch up with people outside the board meetings. So that multiply that by how many boards you're on and that's that's how much time it takes. Mm-hmm. With not-for-profits, people say often it takes less time, but I don't believe that. I think often with not-for-profits it takes more time because there's less people often to do the work, less paid people. So board members on not-for-profits end up having to do some of the work particularly some of the fundraising work. Mm, yep. There's often more time if you're on a not-for-profit board. That's great. It just gives people a bit of an idea about what are the sorts of things that take up your time. How do you prioritise your time? Well, for me, I work part-time, so I have time for boards. But I know people that work full-time that, that make enough time for boards. I do my board work usually on a Sunday afternoon, so I make that time that way. 
you were going to talk about succession planning and when it's time to get off and succession planning. I think succession planning is really key for boards. For an example, with the SIN board, because SIN is an organisation that works with under 26-year-olds, so we were often wanting, and and the constitution at SIN said that more than half our board members had to be under 26. We had issues around succession planning there and so we had a great board um, intern program where three people were interns to the board for a year, for 12 months. And as part of being an intern, they had a mentor from who was appointed from the board. They came to board meetings and they also had projects that they had to do, to do with governance. So that was a great succession planning exercise. So as people went off the board, so people came onto the board who'd been through, usually been through the intern program. Of course, there was always opportunities for others to be elected, but it seemed to me that the interns had this great experience of being on the board, coming along to board meetings, having support learning about governance, and they usually opted to come onto the board after that. So that was a great succession planning process. As a board member, it's your responsibility to think a little about who would replace you on that board. And I've always done that, particularly with the not-for-profit boards, because I think sometimes it's hard to get people that are willing to give what it takes. Like it might seem glamorous sometimes to be on a board, It's good because you can see great change. Being on a board is a wonderful thing because you can change an organisation and you've got a purpose being on that board and you can meet your purpose through being on the board, but it's also quite a lot of time. So you want someone to replace you that's going to put in the same time, has the same passion and has the same purpose. And so thinking about going off a board is kind of like a 12-month project, I reckon, thinking about who can take over from you could not agree more about thinking about who comes in after Mm. you. And there are the intern programs. There's a number of them around. I think YWCA has Mm, one. There's the board observership program. I heard recently Jewish Care has a program of interns as well. So there's a number of organisations that do it. You'd mentioned earlier about observing a board meeting before Mm. you join the board. So that's a great way of doing that as well. You get to really know the organisation. And the skills you learn through being on a board take you to lots of other places. I mean, the skills you learn from being on a board are great for you in your your day-to-day job because you've learnt a lot about managing people, about thinking strategically, about working with both the chair and working with the other board members, so working collegiately, really about working together to bring about your common, the purpose that your, your organisation set up to do and also the fi- obviously the financial issues and the compliance issues are those that apply in everyday, everyday work. And the people you meet when you're on a board, people that I've met through my boards I'm still friend, you know, very friendly with, so you meet some great people being on boards. If you're in an organisation that has a board itself, being on the board of another organisation also gives you great mm. insight into your own organisational structure and how that board might operate as well and helps to write those board papers and to report to the board and give an idea of what they might need as well. And also it looks really good on your CV. Yep, no doubt yeah. about that. <laughs> We've covered quite a bit today about getting on a board, being an effective board member, how to find some of those roles. What are the key takeaways that you want people to take from this conversation today? You know, like I've said, I think it's a huge honour to be on a board and it's a great pleasure for me. I've learnt heaps from being on my boards. I still learn more. Every day I learn more. Every board meeting I learn more. And I've got some good friends. I'm a firm believer in quotas for boards and I'm really proud 
and pleased that the Victorian government has a quota of 50% women on the government boards and that the Victorian government has met that. So the boards that I'm on all have at least 50% women. But I think our big challenge now is looking at the diversity of those board members, particularly in regard to culture, to ethnic background, to disability and age. I think we're all a bit bit the same on the boards. I think we're all kind of older. We're all middle class and most of us are, are white. So I think the real challenge is to look at getting a bit more diversity on our boards and I think the other challenge is to make sure that we keep that 50% women on boards, at least 50% women, because I know these things are hard to gain and they're easily lost. So I think we have to, board members and others needs to have a, need to have a very big overview of the strategies to have more diverse boards and keeping the women, the 50% women, more than 50% women involved in those boards. Maybe in regards to that or maybe in regards to other things you've mentioned today, but what might be one or two or three things that our listeners can do? What are the actions that they can take to really have some impact around these things? Well, I think the first thing is to look around for a board that you might be interested in going on. The second thing is to get your board CV up to date. And the third thing is to network, network, network. Wise words that no doubt harken back to your early days of meeting Joan as well. There's some similarities in those messages that from when you first met Joan. Oh, and also feel very confident, extremely confident that you can give to that board, to any board, that you've got the competence, you've got the intellectual rigour and you have the experience where you'll be able to give and be a valued member of any board. So feeling that confidence is really important and that's what Joan gave me. So, Leonie, I'm wondering if you can recommend a resource for our listeners, maybe a podcast or a TED Talk or a book that might be helpful for them. I think they could do no wrong by looking at the Women's Power Handbook, which was written by Joan Kerner and and Maura Rayner quite a few years ago, but still has so much to say about being active in society as a strong feminist woman. And those books are available from Emily's List Australia. And if you Google that, you'll see it on your web there. Fantastic. I was talking to some women yesterday who'd referred to it and they couldn't find where to buy it. So that is really useful to know. I'll make sure a note for that's in the show notes as well. Fabulous. Thanks, Leonie. Thank you, Hallie. It's been a great pleasure. Hi there, it's Hallie. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.